Welcome to the creative brain of Dean Hawk. Get ready to be challenged, inspired, and equipped to become a better ministry leader. Hey, welcome everybody. So glad to have you joining us at the uh, this month's podcast. Our topic this month is called The Drain of Life and Ministry. And I know many of you have just come off your big Easter weekend and many productions and plays and everything like that. And uh, you're probably feeling a little bit. And so I'm hoping that this uh, uh, podcast is timely. Has anyone ever reached the end of your day in ministry? You get home and you feel like you have nothing left for your spouse or for your kids. You you, you get in and you, you collapse. Um, I know at times there's been... Uh, it's felt like that uh, ministry can be this leech that just sucks the life out of you. Well, today I want to just share some things that have helped me and Kim keep ourselves recharged, keep ourselves energized, things that we talk about as a staff, some some core values that we try and implement in, uh, in us uh, running the marathon of ministry and not the sprint of ministry. I want to be that guy that finishes strong and finishes well, not that goes over the finish line with a crutch and a wheelchair and uh, just barely finishing my race. I want to I want to finish strong and finish well. I don't have the book here with me, but uh, I hope many of you have read it. If you haven't read this book, please order it on Amazon, get it. It has been a lifesaver the past, I don't know, five, six, seven years since I first read it. It's called Leading on Empty, by Wayne Cordero, great pastor in Honolulu, Hawaii, shares about his uh, kind of meltdown and his road back to uh, uh, emotional health and and leading well and leading strong. And one of the main things that he talks about in this book is uh, uh, that we each have in our in our in our soul we have a fill spout. And we have a drain. That's where I want to just spend a little time and, and kind of maybe unpack it on, on how we've applied that. Uh, here's what I would tell you. One of the best definitions I've heard of ministry is it is a heart and soul transfer from one person to another. It's a, it's a heart engagement. There's not, it, it would be awkward. It's really not physically tiring. I mean, after standing for three services, yeah, my legs might be a little tired, but it's not a physical drain. But here's what happens. The emotional drain, the emotional stress, the, the mental uh, anguish that we can feel in ministry takes a toll on our flesh. And so that's why it's important to implement some things to keep to keep yourself going and to keep yourself ticking. I'm sure everyone that's listening, watching this podcast can think of a ministry friend, uh, a ministry acquaintance or a friend of somebody's friend that they have quit ministry, burned out, hit the wall, said, I'm done. I'm not going to keep going at it. And there is this, I don't know if you guys have heard it, but I've, I've seen and I've heard it over the years. There is this, uh, there is this, hyper spiritual vibe that is like this badge of honor that well I've I've worked 22 days straight and I haven't taken a day out ha I'm such a I'm such a hero for God well not according to God's scripture because when it tells us that God himself worked 6 days and rested on the 7th then we better wake up. And it's one thing for us as pastors and ministers to to be advocating for our sheep 
to take that day out if we are not finding that day of rest and and relaxing. I remember hearing uh, about a year ago, uh, a pastor made this statement to me. He says, it's been three years since I've taken vacation. And it's kind of like all for the call, you know, living for Jesus. Um, Jesus modeled what he wanted us to live. And we see throughout the gospels that Jesus separated himself from the crowds and he went to the mountain to pray. I believe, I don't know, did he go skiing? I don't know. I doubt it. But but you know what I'm saying, getting away to restore, revive, and refresh ourselves. And so as we, as we look forward, I want to ask you, what do you do in your job and in your life, what fills you and what drains you? And one of the things that Wayne gets into in his book is making sure that you're intentionally doing the things that fill you, that come easy to you, and then guarding and protecting yourself from those things that drain you. So let me share some with you. For me, a highlight of my job is I love the speaking, the communicating, the teaching, the preaching. That comes so easy for me. I've had friends ask, how can you do three services, 8.30, 10, and 11.30? And after that, Kim and I are usually saying, let's go out to eat with somebody. Let's connect with somebody, some of our leaders or, or some of our staff or whatever that might be. When I come off of those three services, I am an emotional junkie on an adrenaline high because when I speak, it actually fires me up. I speak at a local uh, uh, Bible college and I and I teach one course per trimester. And my wife has challenged me in the busyness of my schedule and 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 do I really have time to do that? Well, it doesn't it doesn't take anything out of me. In fact, when I go and teach for a two or three hour stretch. I come back to the office and I'm actually energized for the rest of my day versus being tanked. Some things that I do that fill me are uh, I'm intentional that when I get in the car and I start it, my phone is attached to the Bluetooth and it's playing on my favorite worship songs playlist. I have found that when I listen to talk radio, it's interesting sometimes when I watch the news, all the stuff can tend to drain me and I get kind of caught up in that. So I'm intentional about filling my heart, filling my soul and having those prayer times. Preaching on Sundays, that's an easy thing for me. I love it. Uh, creative dream team sessions where I'm sitting down with a couple staff members and, and we're hypothesizing about a new outreach or, or a new sermon series. And I just did it yesterday with our staff and I'm asking them some questions about the new series that I've got coming up. I could sit there and do that all day. For my wife, uh, meetings are, she's the analytical, knock it off the list, get it done. And so for her, meetings can feel like it's a waste of time and I could be doing all these other things. And so she has to guard how many meetings she puts in her day and space those out because that can be taxing on her. Um, in counseling, uh, premarital counseling and marriage counseling, comes so easy to me. But if somebody's coming to talk about their woes and their problems and their this and their that, uh, I, it just, after one or two of those sessions, I just am a, am a puddle on the floor. And so I've guarded that I have my secretary that, that I have, uh, one afternoon each month. That's when I, not each month, each week, that that's when I have my appointments. That's when I have my meetings. 
And that's when I just know I kind of gear up for it. I'm going to do it. And so I don't want that to tank my other day. So I just kind of hit it in a pocket and make it happen. For me, being around people energizes me. Other personalities, you need to retreat. You need to be alone. You need to get in that man cave or or woman cave, and you just need to download, decompress. When I want to decompress, I want to do it with people. I want to do it with a party. So it's learning your personality and, and what fills you and what drains you. Um, my staff knows I will not take a call from somebody I don't know about a subject that they're wanting to sell something. The missionary wants to come and speak. Um, I just don't take those anonymous phone calls because they drain me and deplete me. Emails. Does anybody else, your box just seems like I keep clearing it out. And so I have to shut down my email so that when I'm trying to prepare and I'm trying to study and be focused, that I'm not getting distracted and drained by the emails that are coming in. And then there are those uh, people that just pull on you and they kind of just zap zap your strength. They're always asking questions. They need you to, to help them answer some of the, the most trivial life questions. And, and here's what I've seen happen. And pastors, I ask you this. Have you allowed your members to become codependent upon you or your spouse? And so when we started the church 13 years ago, I had seen this happen in ministry and, and that I had seen and experienced in those first 20 plus years. And I determined I was going to build a, a non-codependent church of people. And so we have this model, everyday ministry by everyday believers. My prayers are not any better than your prayers. That you, and that's usually, Pastor, I need you to pray. Pastor, I need you to pray. And I can tell you, my home number is still listed in the white pages. A lot of people don't know what a white page is, but it's still out there. I can tell you that in the last 12 months, I have had two to four calls after hours, either on my home phone or my cell phone, from a member who was in need or crisis. And when they called, they were. They were facing a, a, a serious crisis. But as one member said, uh, she came to church on Sunday. She has a big cast on her hand. And uh, I said, man, what happened to you? She said, well, I had carpal tunnel surgery. And, and she said, I was, I was going to call you last Tuesday night and have you pray. And then it just hit me. My prayer and Bert's prayer is as good as your prayer. I don't need Pastor Dean to pray. Let's just us pray. Well, she discovered the power of prayer, that her prayers are effective. And so that's where we want to build people and, and helping them. My wife loves numbers. I hate numbers, budgets, contracts, fine print, wears me out. And so I try and delegate those areas that tend to drain me. You can't delegate them all, but I try to delegate those areas. So let me give you a couple keys on keeping your batteries charged and staying refreshed. Here are some things that I, I uh, would, would challenge you to take to heart. Number one, I've, I've already mentioned it, honoring the Sabbath day and honoring that day off. If you say, well, uh, I work six, seven days a week, you're missing it. And if you say that Sunday is your Sabbath day and you're having Sunday morning services, uh, Sunday night events and all that, that's not your Sabbath. So we used to take Mondays off. We've now shifted to Fridays. We work Sunday through Thursday. My staff, I tell them not to come into the office on Friday, to have two days back to back. And so here's the way I approach it. 
I take either Friday or Saturday. I'll pick a day that I'm going to do my yard work. I'm going to do uh, the tasks that need to be done, personal errands, that kind of thing. And the other day is a day that we're going to take and nothing has to be done. I don't have to make my bed. I don't have to lift, lift my donkey. If he falls in a hole, I don't have to do anything that is going to uh, cause stress. And, and so I encourage you to, uh, take that time off and make it a special, uh, time where you can just rest and recharge. Secondly, um, take an extra day off after a busy season. Last week, uh, was our Easter prep week. We weren't just preparing for Easter. We were preparing about 14,000 square feet for our new children's wing. And we were pushing, pushing, pushing to get it open on Easter Sunday. We were here till midnight, several nights. And, and so I just emailed the staff on Saturday and said, the office is closed on Monday. You're off on Monday. You're off on Friday this next week. When my youth or children's pastor has maybe uh, gone away to summer camp or a missions trip this summer, when he comes home, I'm going to say, I know you've been on go for the last nine days straight. Take an extra day off. It's not an hour for hour. It's not a, a total comp. Well, he worked nine days straight. So he technically, no, he's a salaried employee and, and we all work anywhere from 45 to 60 hours is probably our average. Uh, I like to keep it under 50 hours for my salary people um, is the hope and where I try and guard myself as well. But uh, if we've had a long event, a big event, um, offer your staff an extra day out. Thirdly, um, make sure and have a weekly date night with your spouse. If you're married, have a weekly date day or date night. When my kids were at home and we had Mondays out, I would work the same for us if our kids were home on Friday. That was our date day. They're in school. We get to go do something, whether that's going out to lunch, going to movie. We'd go to a park, lay on a blanket, read our favorite books, and, and we spent time together. A friend of mine, Dr. Doug Weiss, has a great uh, encouragement in that area. And he says, take turns each week. So the first week I get, uh, I'd give it to Kim. Kim would get to plan what we went and did. And so we'd go see a chick flick and, and we would go to, to a, a salad place for lunch. And there was hardly any protein. When it was my day to pick, we would go see uh, an action movie. We would maybe go by the sports warehouse and, and look at a new handgun that I was thinking about buying. Um, another day we might choose to go hiking. But here's what happened. It became a joy and kind of a little bit of a competition of what are you going to, what are you going to have us do this next week? Oh, that was cool. But, but what if we did this this next week? And so having a specific time and here's what it does for Kim and I in the busyness and the pace of ministry, it left that, um, mirage on the horizon that, Hey, date day is coming. I didn't get to see you much today. I know it's been crazy. I got home late. You left early, but hey, our date day is coming. Fourthly, you've got to find a hobby, an activity that refreshes you and recharges you. And here's where I'm guilty, guys, is, is so many times um, there are things that I know that recharge or refresh me, 
And if I don't schedule them, it doesn't happen. If I don't, if I'm not intentional about putting it on my calendar and scheduling it, I get to the end of my week, I get through the weekend and I'm starting another Sunday and another week and I've done nothing to personally recharge me. So uh, for me, I picked up golf a couple summers ago. And so I'm intentional about uh, finding some guys to schedule a golf day. And there are some mornings I go, oh, I really don't know if I have time to do this, but when I do it, it is so refreshing. And here's how I keep golf from making it non-refreshing is I go and I play for fun. I just keep telling myself, doesn't matter. That ball's gone. Just hit another one from here. We're not trying to get on the PGA. We're out here to have some fun and hang with some friends. You're going to call me weird, but give me a chainsaw, put me in a forest, And uh, uh, my family has got 150 acres and we're doing forest management. And it's so different than what my job usually is. I will go out there on the back end of a chainsaw, dropping small trees to big trees and doing forest management for six, seven, eight hours. And I'm just like, yes, that was so charging just to be outside and doing something different. Um, going to lunch or coffee with other pastor friends, that's recharging to me to download with them. Going to the gym and exercising and working out. There are times I don't want to work out, but when I do, it does something to me and makes my day go a lot better. And then you're going to think I'm weird again. Uh, I, I like mowing the grass. Now I do have a riding mower. We have a large yard and I have a riding mower, but something when I get out there and put my earbuds in and I'm on the tractor, just mowing grass, it is recharging. Got to a place where Kim and I would actually uh, a fight over who was going to ride the mower because it's just, you kind of get in your zone. So find out what recharges your battery. And here's what I want you to do. Uh, I want you to put on your calendar in the next seven days at least one thing, one activity or event, schedule something that will recharge your batteries. Going and playing tennis, taking a hike, whatever that might be. And then here's what's huge that recharges me, our friendships. I need friends. I need, I'm a people person. Kim is a people person. And, but you have to realize there are relationships that drain you and there are relationships that fill you. And so there are three kinds of friends, and this is probably a whole nother podcast, but I'll just drop it in here. There are, uh, there are your Pauls, your Timothys, and your Davids or Jonathans. The, the friends that I have in my life that are Pauls, they are a mentor to me, and, and I probably don't add much to them, but I'm going to them, and I'm learning from them. And then I've got guys here in the community and pastors that, that I know that the focus of this lunch, the focus of this coffee is going to be me coaching them, me helping them in their situation, and me reaching behind and helping them up the mountain. And then we all need those guys that are going to be that Jonathan and David relationship, that they're covenant brothers. It's an equal giving and an equal sharing. Pray and ask God to send those individuals into your life. Here's another thing that helps Kim and I stay recharged is a one night getaway. Uh, We're here in Colorado Springs and when we can Kim will price line, she'll bid on a hotel, a four-star in Denver, and she'll bid 50 bucks. And, and we don't always get it, but a lot of times we do. 
We'll, she'll bid 50 bucks. We'll go stay in a, in a beautiful hotel. Won't do much of anything. Just veg. Have time for the two of us. But it's a 24-hour escape. It's a 24-hour getaway. And for me to, to get out of Colorado Springs for just a fraction of time, it, it resets my emotional mental clock somehow. Then we also have a place that we go to in the mountains that we'll go spend a day or two there. Just getting out in the wilderness recharges my batteries. And then our last thing I want to share about is, is being intentional on utilizing your vacation time, utilizing the rotation. There's been a lot of talk and conversation over the last couple of years about uh, sabbaticals. And I've had, I've had pastor friends ask, what's your sabbatical policy there at Rock Family Church? If, if God so leads you and your board and your leadership to do that, man, I'm behind it. Here's where I have personally struggled. I personally struggle to say that my job and my career is any more stressful than anybody else's job in my church. And so I wrestle and I struggle to say, hey, I'm going to be on a sabbatical and you're going to keep paying me and I'm not going to do anything and I'm going to be gone for three, four, five, six months and the church needs to keep going and finances need to keep coming in. Um, here's what I've learned and you got to learn what works for you. I have learned that I it's the rotation of my time off. And as I have gotten older, when we were younger and had small kids or kids in, in junior high and high school, we could only take a family vacation in the summertime. And when I was younger, I could, you know, work, uh, you know, that 40, 50 weeks and then have a vacation. I've learned as I've gotten older, I can't make it from one summer to the next. And so something that Kim and I started when our kids were at home, and I would encourage to every married couple and especially a ministry couple, is take one honeymoon a year. Take your family vacation, but once a year, get away for at least a long weekend, preferably a seven to 10 day getaway. Have grandma fly in and watch the kids. We started doing this probably 15 years ago. And once again, when we know that we're going to have an escape coming up, it's a honeymoon getaway for the two of us. It, it keeps us going through the difficult times. And so here's, here's a, just a couple of things on vacation. Um, number one, give your staff off between Christmas and New Year's. I was given, I don't remember who it was. Uh, they'll probably know if they're listening to this. I was giving a pastor friend heck for having his church office open between Christmas and New Year's. Everybody is just vegging. They are on autopilot. I don't want to be there. So why would I make my staff be there? And so we just shut the office down between Christmas and New Year's. And that is a bonus week of vacation. What I tell my staff is before the holidays come, uh, you're responsible for your areas and your department. So you might have to work if you didn't plan and prepare to get things ready for that upcoming Sunday. But I found that most of them can get inspired. And then uh, uh, the other thing is I would tell you is to be liberal with your vacation time with your staff. Some of you might not think this is liberal, but you're here a year, you get two weeks of vacation. You're here two years, you get three weeks of vacation. You're here five years, you get four weeks of vacation. I've not had anybody go uh, longest staff member right now is seven years. And so uh, 
uh, I, somewhere I'll find another another line and I'll be offering more vacation as they stay here longer. Here's what I see. If they'll get away, get recharged, they're going to be more productive and produce more. And then what I have found is that as uh, uh, in, in my rotation, that I need, I need break points. And so I will take seven to 10 day vacation in the fall. I'll take a seven to 10 day vacation in the spring. And then I will take a two to four week uh, break in the summer, just depending on scheduling and so forth. And so that helps me keep my batteries charged versus trying to wait an entire year. And here's my last little secret and we'll wrap it up is uh, my number one cruise destination. You go, where do you guys guys like to go? I live in the mountains, so I love to go to the beach. I wouldn't want to live where some of you live with humidity of 96% and it's 90 degrees to 100 degrees outside, but I love vacationing there. And our favorite vacation is to go on a cruise. And here's why, if you've never done it, you say, well, isn't that a bunch of people crammed in a little area? It is, but I'm telling you what, you get lost in a crowd. Here's why I like it. Number one, it's affordable. Number two, it's a set price. Kim and I went to New York City a number of years ago. And so you rent the expensive hotel and then you get there and it's like, let's go see this show. And then you're paying for taxis and you're paying for all this stuff. And we spent in a three-day period what we could have went on a seven-day cruise vacation on. And so it's a predictable expense. But here's the number one reason I like a cruise. I don't have to make a decision. The ship is going to stop at these points. You're going to eat in this in this dining room every night, or here are your options. When we go to a city, we're on a vacation, where do you want to eat? I don't know. We've never eaten that. Let's eat someplace new. Oh, wow. It's more expensive than we thought. Oh, this food wasn't good. And we know we're going to get good food and good service, no decisions to make. And uh, we love to disappear in a crowd. I get to go to see different places and I sleep in the same bed every night. So we've, we've done the Caribbean. We've done the Alaska cruise. Uh, Kim's the queen of, of uh, cruising vacation planning. Uh, she can help you out there. Hey, if you guys have any questions about uh, ministry or church that you would like to have answered, email me at dean. D-E-A-N at rockfamilychurch.com and we will answer your questions either in person or on the podcast. Uh, share this podcast with a friend if you think it would help out, if you think it would encourage them and be a blessing to them. And uh, thank you guys for watching. Share it. Uh, let some other people know about it. And God bless you guys and get some rest and get recharged and refill your tanks. We'll see you next month. Thank you for joining us today. For a free sermon series and teaching outlines by Pastor Dean, visit us at deanhawk.com. Be sure and join us next month as we continue our growth on leadership.